Hello, everyone. This is Mr. Friday, and welcome to the Dork Teacher Podcast. So, my dork friends, my next guest is a physics teacher I met over Clubhouse. He is a passionate individual who loves the importance of physical education, but he also wants to be a principal. Ryan is the one who his job is no ordinary. He has great ideas how to make an impact for the students over their curriculum. You want to know more? Let's hear what Ryan Pelkey has to say. Enjoy! Ryan! What's wonderful today? Man, I got my Amazon dot today. I am absolutely my little echo that was made made me happy. What it was a Father's Day gift. Okay. It's a little like hey Alexa, you know, and then I can turn my lights off and I can play music on it. I'm a little bit of a tech nerd and I kind of like have been wanting one for a while. Um, so I took the plunge with some Father's Day gifts that I got and boom, came today and I was like a little kid playing with it. <laughs> Like a kid in Toys R Us. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> That's great. So, you're a father, right? Yes, I have two of my own kids and three stepkids. Four stepkids. Sorry. And, and the reason why we are together, because we've met each other virtually over a Clubhouse. Correct. So, you, you, you have a room on Clubhouse? Yeah, I, I run a room with a couple other people called the Educator's Closet. And, you know, people have asked me why I call it the closet. And I was like, there's no real underlying method except... You, you figure that when you dress for certain things, you know, certain events, if you're casual, we're going to have a casual talk. So you're in your casual clothes. If you're uh, talking professionally, like I've talked about uh, educational and safety, psychological safety in schools, I dressed up. And so that's a more professional thing. So depending on what we're talking about, we'll be tending on what you might what find in your closet. So I tried to relate to that. I didn't see anywhere else on Clubhouse that had it or anywhere else online. So I said, let's try this. I, I woke up one night and said, let's call it the educator's closet. And then boom, it stuck. That's brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. I've been there once yesterday. Yeah, man. I was totally full at school. That was crazy. I've just finished today. Wow. Yeah, it was. No, that was a huge year. And uh, so I, I wasn't there for the last three weeks. I was too busy doing the correction kind of thing. Report card, uh, report card, and uh, talk to the parents. To, um, I, I'm I'm on a, I'm a sixth grader uh, okay. teacher uh, as an intense program in English. I, it was a really busy COVID year. I don't know about you. How was it? Yeah, it was. It was. In, it was the year of the pivot. You know, we were virtual for a while, and then all of a sudden, it was like, okay, uh, February rolled around, and boom, we're going to start uh, teaching hybrid. And unfortunately, the kids that came in hybrid or concurrent, there was only like a th maybe a fifth of our staff, or a fifth of our kids were coming in. I had 1,300 kids in my middle school, and I maybe oh. had 150 kids a day face-to-face. Wow. -face. A lot of the parents were like, no, we're good. We'll stay, we'll stay home. Um, and that was after they gave vaccines wow. to our whole school district. So, I, I mean, all of our kids were, all of our uh, teachers were fully vaccinated. Okay. So when? You know, uh, since early February, I mean, we had about staff about 3,500 in our school district. And it was like, 
you know, we waited for our names, went in, it was like clockwork. They had all these nurses and, and it shows how teachers and, and hospitals can work together and get this vaccine done. In fact, other companies and other places took the model and used it for a larger spectrum. They were renting out big uh, department stores that were vacant, setting up shop and getting people shots. So, wow. So you guys were on the first row. So you got it. You were. Oh, my goodness. I got my first uh, shot on uh, May 15. Mm -hmm. We are we were very late in Canada, very late. And it was kind of for me, it was really kind of stressful because I have as soon uh, when I have, for example, uh, flu or cold and stuff, it goes over my lungs. So. I know we know COVID for sure. It's attacking the lungs, so yeah. I was really kind of worried. And yeah, I, I went through it. I went through it, and I was really pleased to finish today. I was wow. It, it, it's now over. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. It's it's now over. There's supposed to be another variant that's coming around the United States, but I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of good. I mean, it's weird to walk into scores without our mask. We still have to wear a mask in school. Okay. Um, if we're around other kids, we ha if we're around kids, we have to wear a mask. But if we're around adults, um, I've done some training over the last two weeks and uh, no mask. Oh. So, but it's if you're vaccinated, it's not like they can tell. It's not like you have a big V on your forehead oh, or anything oh. like that. But, you know, you can go into stores and stuff like that, and, and it's not a big deal. Um, no one really gives you a hard time. It was in the beginning, you know, like, and I felt like I had to carry on my vaccination card, but I don't. I have a picture of it. That's about it. No one's okay. really questioned. There's no kind of passport kind of thing. Mm -mm. They're they're talking about it, but they're I don't see it happening. I mean, it's I think it's unnecessary. Um, we are we are working on it actually, because the they want to open the border so we can visit you guys. And, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and they ask for uh, they are talking over it to 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 deliver passports, like like telling you that you you had your two shots. So I'm really kind of excited. I hope I got my second one so I can go back to U.S. I mostly spend my 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 Christmas uh, time over Florida with my family. Nice. And because it's so cold. Area. It's so yeah. cold in Canada. Oh, I know. I know. Growing up in upstate New York, I, I hear you. <laughs> you know, it was, I could try to tell people that when I went outside and your nose would stick together or, yeah. you know, cool. like you could only go outside for a little bit. It was, they're like, no, it doesn't happen. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. It does. Big time, big time. So what do you teach, um, Ryan? Health and, PE, health and physical education. I've done it for about 22 years. Oh, you're a phys ed teacher? Mm -hmm, yep. And what I do is I take, like, science, social studies, math, language arts, music, and bring it into the gym. I bring it into whatever, whatever the teachers are teaching. I kind of get a broader idea of what we're doing and um, make activities around it. It could be dodgeball. It could be like playing with foam balls, but we can we do something like uh, a running a gauntlet. If there's like two teams th are throwing balls at and you have to go from point A to point B, if you get to the end on the, the big board, big white raceable board, give me a multiple of six. Write down a multiple of six, come back, do it again. And then it's not how many times you get hit, it's how many correct answers your team gets per round. What? So... That's we wonderful. Do, we do all sorts of like um, uh, interactive tic-tac-toe. We do a lot of like stacking uh, cups. We have all these like, you know, cups that people get at games or whatever. We keep them. We have about 3,000 cups. And we tell the kids, okay, group work, groups of three, who can build the highest tower? 
10 sec, 10 minutes on the clock, put some music on. And it's not just push-ups, sit-ups, mountain climbers, running around. I mean, we still play sports. We still do stuff like that. But I've really tried to focus more on team building, interactive skills. Um, and I try to include the, the rest of the school because I feel like if we can incorporate it and the kids have fun, it's going to stick and it's going to learn. Well, wait, They're going to learn it a lot faster. Wait, wait. Are, are you in a private school or a public no, no, Public school. I still follow my curriculum. I mean, I've made my own curriculum for the last 22 years. I've, I have the, the boundaries, the framework, but um, I say, okay, that's great, but we're going to do this instead. And we're going to do more, you know? Wow, I'm amazed. So it's it's been fun. I, 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 I'm very, very much like, okay, we can make this better. We're really big into doing relays. Even with our 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, they love it because I incorporate music. Um, we do something called a survivor where you have to get from point A to point B without touching the floor. Like the floor is lava, and they have to draft their items. I put a whole bunch of stuff. I clean out my closet and, and put, like, mats and jump ropes and scooters. I say, here's your items. Pick an item, bring it back. Wow. And then once they pick an item, they have to get from their whole team from point A to point B without touching the floor. You know, there's there. That's I've begged, borrowed, and stole ideas from other people, but for the most part, that's the same thing they've done for me. I mean, I'm very honored that I've taught at four different schools, and a lot of my games and ideas are still being played at those schools, or variations of it. Or you know, I've coached softball in the past and basketball, and some of the drills that I came up with, I've stolen from other people, and they're like, "We still do the outfield drill that you've taught us in softball." And people have taken it to Italy and to, you know, Germany. And, you know, so the kids remember that stuff. It sticks with them. And they're like, do you still play this? And do you still play that? I mean, I love teaching. My heart is in administration, though. That's where my next goal is. Okay. That's where my next step is, without a doubt. I mean, I'll teach until I can get into administration. So. Oh, okay. You want to be a principal? Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I want to get into risk management. Like, uh, <clears throat> because I feel like, you know, school shootings have happened over the last 20 years from Columbine on. And yeah. the people that run the risk management sessions now, um, former military, former cops in a lot of school districts, more power to them. No shade against them, nothing against them. But teachers know how kids react. You know how, in a case of emergency, how those kids are going to react. You need to have people on your risk management team to say, whoa this whole military idea of how they're going to like throw a book at the, the guy with a gun, first of all, it's not going to happen, you know, but there's other ways that we can help. There's other ways that we can do stuff. So my long-term after getting through administration is to get involved in that field and help schools rethink how they handle emergencies. What are you doing specifically towards going at this goal? Are you working on something? Just stuff that sits in my head, things that I've gone through a couple, um, two or three emergencies over the last 22 years that really things could be done better. Um, I had a student with a gun, um, brought it to school. You know, I actually kind of got it from him and it wasn't like I wrestled him or anything like that. Kind of talked him through it. He was gonna, kids were picking on him, had a tough life, you know? And, uh, so I took it from him and got through it. There was a couple other incidences where, uh, and it sounds weird, but a, a kid got stabbed at the bus stop waiting for a bus. You know, there's ways that we can make the school safer. There's ways that we can handle emergencies. 
um, you know, fires and things like that. There's, um, that's why I feel like with school shootings, we can start seeing these mental health issues ahead of time. And that's why I do like mental health checks on Clubhouse. I want to start it there because going forward, I want to be someone that the kids can come and talk to at school if they're having issues or having problems along with the guidance office or counseling or however you want to call it. But um, there's, there's a need. And over the years, kids have told me that I was the right person at the right place at the right time. Whether it be, you know, a, a father figure or someone that cared, you know, that went a little bit extra and, and helped them or gave them a little grace when they needed it, that's fine. But I want to kind of take that and develop programs that will benefit everybody. Not just the teachers, not just the students, but everybody. Because oh I feel like God, in cases I... of emergencies, teachers like either panic. My wife said, I'm the guy that runs into a burning building. And yeah, that's, I have no, no problems with that. You know, in case there's anything going on, I'm going to be the one that tries to help solve the problem. You know, so that's I've just never how... been into the military. No, no, I had no, no uh, military experience. I had no reason to be in the military, but I just, I guess, um, you know, my dad growing up when he saw things five, ten minutes down the road, you know what I mean? He would always be thinking about how things work together and I call it balcony thinking. You sit from the balcony, you see how all the parts move together and, and click and how everything works together. And you better be a little bit preventive with some of the things that you do. And if you can stop things from happening in advance, then you're ahead of the game. So, you know, that's that's the way I think about some things, especially when it comes to emergencies, uh, thinking about, um, giving an example, about three years ago, we had a pep rally in our school at about... 1500 kids in the gym and I was being interviewed by a local news station because I did a fundraiser um, where kids donated gift cards to a school that I used to teach at in North Carolina that was devastated with a hurricane. Yeah. So they were interviewing for that. While we were in there, I had um, someone whisper to me um, that there was a lock. Our school was under lockdown because there was uh, people in the neighborhood with guns. So we had 1500 kids in one area and my, I mean, I just started, my brain started racing. You know, I was still trying to keep it cool while I was on FaceTime with the principals from the other school and all the kids were cheering and music was playing and stuff like that. But in the meantime, I'm thinking about, okay, how do we get these kids safe in case something happens? What do we do? So, you know, it's, it's working together and having a good team to, to determine. I mean, the kids, we were there till about nine o'clock that night because they wouldn't let us leave the school. It was under uh, shelter in place at that point. So the parents could come one at a time, sign the kids out. But we, until they found those people, we weren't allowed to like let the kids go. So we had to come up with all these different rooms, all these different programs. Luckily, we had a lot of food to feed them. We have a supper program at our school. We're about 60% uh, free and reduced lunch. So we are very honored to have a lot of federal funding to help with that. But um, all those things take planning. All those things take quick thinking, you know, and I think from the years of being a PE teacher where they said, okay, it's raining. All of your plans outside are washed. Let's, what are you going to do next? You got 200 kids in the, you know, we got to entertain basically while we're waiting to set up for something. And I feel like that quick thinking, that Semper Gumby attitude, always flexible is um, something that sets me apart from other people and sets PE teachers apart from other people where we could handle anything. Logistics is like my wheelhouse, you know, and 
I think that's where I look at things through a logistics lens when it comes to a lot of, um, like COVID, for example, the way the schools handle COVID. There was a better way of doing it, but, uh, you know, you got to have the right people in there. Uh, for me, I'm grateful with COVID that we got the one-to-one -one technology. I've been waiting 20 years for that. I, I've been, you know, ever since I started teaching back in 98, 99, I was like, we need access to the information. Even for teaching PE, I used the technology every day for 22 years. And um, now that the, their Wi-Fi is boosted, you know, in the States, they've given us millions of dollars. I mean, millions and millions of dollars. We came up with 80,000 computers in a period of like three months to make sure every kid in our school district had a computer, you know, and that's a lot of planning. That's a lot of work. Um, but if you could take one positive out of it, you know, and then we have this canvas system, this learning management system, it's similar to like a Google classroom, but all of our information now is there. If the kids are sick, they can catch up on what we're doing, you know, on their time. Uh, they still do a virtual Virginia school now, um, but we're going back ready to roll in September or at, at the end of August, you know, 100%. But they do have that option for kids that still want to do virtual. And they'll have their own teachers, their own set of people, you know, and, and that's okay. We'll, we'll muddle through it because oh. there is a lot of fear and apprehensive still kids going back to school. I, I just had my Southpaw moment while you were talking over your experience with the gun stuff around the school. Yeah. Here in Canada, we don't see that quite often. And we had La Polytechnique in Montreal. There was a yeah, great, yeah, yeah. great feminist. It was crazy. And th there was also another one with uh, Dawson College we had over in Montreal. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, in my mind, that's the only th two I have. But but you guys struggle big time with guns. It's crazy. We don't we don't have the same culture. What's your what's your opinion over it? I'm just I'm just, I, no, no politics. It's just uh, no. No, I mean I, I'll be honest. When I taught in uh, North Carolina, my first set of teaching back in '98 '99, I was with a lot of former military because there's a big Marine base yeah. camp Lejeune there. It's huge, yeah. massive. Yeah. So a lot of former Marines were teaching in my school, oh. and they kind of I, I've. I've never shot a gun. I'll be honest. I've never shot a gun. And then, you know, my wife's always giving me a hard time about it, but just something I just had no desire to do. Maybe sometime I will, but these guys that I taught with, I felt safe around them because they had guns, whether they, it was supposed to be in the school or not, they had hiding places. They had stuff in their car. They had, you know, ways to handle it. Um, the whole, I think it's a mental health issue more than anything else. You know, I'm, I'm not against guns. I'm not, you know, getting into, you know, guns are bad. I feel like a lot of the issues that happened with a lot of these school shootings were mental health issues that weren't addressed. Oh, you know, and the way I'm very passionate about mental health. Now, when I see good psychologists and good psychiatrists that are supposed social workers that are supposed to be working in schools in the States, they go to private practice because they can make double the price. They're like, why should we? be killing ourselves because I did a year as a special ed coordinator where I was an administrator and I was in charge of doing eligibility meetings and a lot of uh, IEPs and things like that. And talking to the social worker, talking to the psychologist that did a lot of testing, <clears throat> they were like, why am I killing myself and getting not getting paid enough? You know, and it, and it broke my heart. They're like, we want to help, but we have to put food on our table.
you know, and I can go in private practice and make double or triple the amount. So you're wondering why the mental health issues are the way they are in schools is because they're not throwing the money where they need it. You know, they're not throwing the money into the, the qualified people that can help because it's just a fact of life. You know, I've lost a really good social worker last year at my school because she got her license to do to do it privately and boom, she's loving life because she can finally afford to live, you know, and be able to provide for her kids. I understand. I really understand. We have the same kind of 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 uh, of things over the we have a, a, a psycho educator. It was in our school and she she left. She left and she's now a real estate agent. It's crazy. It's yeah. it's not because she wasn't paid enough. It's another thing. She here in Canada I can I can say in Canada we are quite well well paid. Mm -hmm. that, that's that's okay. The thing is it's the amount of job. It's enormous. That's crazy. I, I remember this this woman, she was always going from one class to another were a lot of need and now she left over january if my have good memory and we had a lot of trouble in our classes wow. she did a lot for us and we totally miss her she she was a great 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 professional and and we we, we do have this kind of problem too because it's the pay is okay but the amount of work is too high oh yeah the, the psychological testing they have to do all the different tests are mind-blowing they could spend two or three days with each individual kid just to come up with uh, something that we all knew you more than anything else they just have to have that paper trail going behind them you know and uh so I, it was an eye-opening experience working that year as a as a special ed coordinator i learned a lot in, in a period short period of time and uh, i have a lot of uh, better value and a better appreciation for what the special education teachers do on a regular basis dealing with all the paperwork and the IEPs and the evaluations and, you know, making sure that their needs are met. And that was something that I think with COVID that a lot of schools didn't do. Um, there was some school districts in the United States that said, no more uh, snow days, no more, you know, you can still get school at home since you have your computer. But if you think about it, you have to follow the IEP of a special education student if they need one-on-one -on -one or small group instruction, you can't give that while they're at home. Absolutely not. So they were violating those IEPs, whether they put it in small print on the IEP or not. Um, looking at the legal versions of it, they were not servicing the kids. The kids weren't getting what they needed. I had many special ed kids that stayed home all year, and I felt helpless sometimes teaching class because I couldn't give them what they needed. You know, the the attention and and the proper education that they needed. I mean, I I dealt with classes of 45, 50 virtually, and it was fine. Um, I got to teach, you know, one of the, the benefits of COVID is I got to teach more life skills than I ever had before, um, to teach fire safety, water safety, how to do first aid. I'm huge into first aid. I feel like if you can learn CPR when you're eight or nine years old, it's going to stick with you. And now that it's only hands only, you know, um, but a lot of my kids live in apartments. Um, they didn't know what to do in case of a fire. They're all home alone. They they kind of take care of little brothers and sisters. So I said, man, this is a chance for me to jump on this and and give them knowledge. If they go to the beach in the summertime, what happens if they get caught in a riptide? 
if one kid remembers, hey, Mr. Pelkey told him to swim down shore if I'm caught in a riptide. Or don't go into water that looks bad. You know, or don't dive headfirst into a pool. Um, some of this stuff just wasn't taught in the past. Um, and I'm very much for teaching these kids life skills. So 10, 15 years down the road, if someone's bleeding and they're going to know how to, you know, hold it and, and put pressure on it and call 911 on what to say. You know, I feel like that this was an opportunity to really, uh, when I teach health, it's very topical. It's very stuff that they're going to need. Um, not just drugs are bad. Don't do them. Let's talk about why let's talk about steroids, you know, and I bring up the, the stuff with, uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. They weren't even alive then, but I said, let's talk about this. Was the juice worth the squeeze? Did they save baseball and kind of getting these philosophical questions with eighth graders I appreciate their feedback. You know, they, they might have given me two sentences, but the fact that they had an opinion and were okay to share it, that's good. I mean, I didn't get much out of my classes. This is the most pictures I've ever seen on Zoom all year. <laughs> most of the kids were black screens. And I, I understood that because I valued their privacy. I respected their privacy. Okay. A lot of times they were taking care of their little brothers and sisters, or they might have had an aunt or an uncle walking back behind the screen and God knows what. So I always, I said, if you do your work, you have questions, I'm here. And one of the things that I really stressed was, I'll give you like a, an hour or two turnaround if you email me. You know, I'll make sure that if I don't know the answer, I'm going to find the answer. And I was consistent with that. So a lot of teachers that were like, look, three o'clock, I'm done. You know, don't bother me until the next day. Sometimes the kids don't do work at by three o'clock that day or don't have, you know, the opportunity we still had kids that were coming to our school, sitting in a parking lot, getting our Wi-Fi on their computer so they could download the assignments and turn the assignments back in. No way. So we still had kids that um, would go to McDonald's or Starbucks and sit outside in the parking lot because their parents didn't have internet at home. So, you know, like, I respected that. And I gave them a lot. This was a year of grace, without a doubt. You turned it in late, okay. I'm good with that, but you got to turn something in. You got, we got to hold you accountable to some degree. A lot of kids were doing work in their cars, you know, their parents, or they said, I can't come to class today. I have to go to someone else's house. They don't have internet. Let me know. And I'm good to go. You know, I, I go out of my way to say, this is what's going on. And that's the beauty of that learning management system canvas. They can do it at any time. You know, they can, they can see what we talked about in class. I didn't really record a lot of my Zooms because all my information is there. I walk them through it. We still did fitness. We still, I started every class with a 10 minute YouTube video. and gave them like six or seven choices, Tai Chi, yoga, um, high intensity training. Thank God for YouTube. You know, there were so many cool interactive games um, that got the kids interested. And then I would say, okay, at the end of 10 minutes, tell me what workout you did. Did you like it? What were some things that you might want to try next time? And one girl said, I want to do um, guided meditation. Boom. We did guided meditation next time. And they loved it. They said, I feel relaxed. I'm not tired, but I feel relaxed and I'm ready to roll. So I would never had that opportunity to do it any other time because our curriculum just doesn't take time to do stuff like that. So let's take, you know, take what we learned last year and intermix it into a brand new, we have a blank canvas ahead of us in a lot of schools. We have an opportunity to change the way we teach, change the way the kids learn, 
and they have an opportunity to, you know, now that they see the, the information's at their fingertips, then we can go into deeper conversations as early as sixth grade, seventh grade. Do I think, you know, elementary school kids, uh, I think they suffered the most out of all, all the grade levels because they didn't have that interaction. They didn't have, my son is in Pennsylvania. He is uh, going into sixth grade and he said that he missed his friends. He missed talking to the teacher more than just seeing her on a screen. You know, when you're go through it a certain way for five or six years, boom, it's changed. Yeah. You know, so I really feel bad for the elementary school kids. I think everyone else kind of survived the hybrid or online learning has been around for 20 years, especially in colleges. That's how I got my master's was online. I didn't go to one single class. I got it in Arizona. You know, when I graduated, I opened my mailbox and it was like, yeah, I graduated. You know, I got my master's, you know, (laughs) pomp and circumstance. (laughs) (laughs) But we, we were, we were lucky here in, in Canada or well in Quebec, particularly um my the the prime minister and uh, education minister decided to run school uh with the covid so wow. we're all in the classes but m- our class closed for three uh three weeks because there were one var- uh, two variants in my class of covid so i i i had this experience virtually with my students and what they find out my kids were they were the first day were they were very happy because it was kind of new and stuff but after the second week they start getting really like uh, annoying and they want to see their friends and and stuff but when we came back they were so happy that that's the thing positive over covid they enjoyed school good more yeah, than that's what i'm looking forward to in the fall because this hybrid that we did where like a fifth of the kids came back, it was like a zombies. They were just like walking in the halls, wearing their mask. They couldn't talk at lunch. They were all spaced out. You know, it was sort of like when they came in the classroom, I talked to them, but it was like four or five kids. And I had to keep them like six to eight feet apart with barriers around them, plastic barriers. Wow. So it was very sterile. It was very like wow, 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 wow. unfriendly, you know, really? I couldn't yeah. joke with them. I couldn't laugh. I couldn't, you know, they just wanted to get it over with more than anything else. Absolutely. So I'm really looking forward to the fall where kids can, you know, students can be kids and, and, and we can do sports again and we can do after school clubs and, you know, get excited about some of the things that we're going to be doing. And um, I really feel bad for the kids that have graduated over the last couple of years. My stepdaughter graduated not this year, but the past year when COVID first started, you know, she went through her graduation ceremony by herself. They called her name. We were in the parking lot. We walked out of the parking lot into the school, into the field. She kind of stood near her principal with a mask on and then walked away. You know, her siblings in the past had these huge, you know, ceremonies where, you know, it was, you know, 800 kids graduating at one time. And, you know, they went up and a lot of pomp and circumstance and all that stuff. So I give her a lot of credit for kind of toughing it out through there. Oh yeah, my my son is on sick. Uh, well, you guys having high school, middle school stuff. We have secondary. So mm-hmm. after the sixth grade, it starts secondary one, which mm-hmm. is related with uh, junior high. Mm-hmm. So so we my 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 son is on secondary five, which is the very end of secondary mm-hmm. before he goes to the college and and university as well. And it it was supposed it was supposed to be a very sp- special day, but it was kind of special. They did. A lot, the teachers were truly amazing. They did, they did a lot of effort over it, but it's never it's never been like 
what he used to. So my, my son was happy, but he was also kind of sad because he saw his friends, older friends, going through the process. So he wished to have this. And when you see something, you want to live it. Yeah, but you can so. tell him, you know, five, six years down the road, it's not going to matter. You know, you, you're going to be more concerned about so many other things. I miss my high school friends, and I remember vaguely what, what my graduation looked like and things we did right after that or something like that. But in the big picture, you know, you're looking back on it, there's so many cool things ahead of them, so many amazing things that are going to about to happen. So, I mean, it's I've always said, you know, the sun's always going to rise the next day. If we don't have sports right now, the sun's still going to rise. If we have a rain out, the rain comes and washes so we cancel games, it's okay. Sun's going to rise. We'll figure it out tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, Love it. that's something that, you know, is pretty much you can set your clock to. That if, even if it's cloudy, it's still going to be morning tomorrow. You know, this, nothing has really stopped the world. So we have to keep living. And it's not easy without a doubt. But uh, if... When kids say, well, I can't do it, I can't turn in, okay, figure it out. Well, my mindset has changed. I was very much, if it's if it's late, I'm not accepting it, up to COVID. I was very strict. I was like, I'll give you all the help in the world, but I want to try to set boundaries with you. And I've realized those boundaries have to be expanded now. And, and I really feel like that's developing through grace. That's developing through having a little patience and understanding. I mean, I know that where my kids are, that they live multiple families in one house. They, you know, they have, we have a lot of uh, students from Latin America. Where I am, there's probably about 35 different languages spoken at my school. Wow. So sometimes they're the only English speakers in their house, you know, and uh, I cherish that international feel, yeah. um, meeting so many different people from all over the world. And that has to do with the fact that DC is so close. You know, a lot of my parents live and work in DC at different embassies and different things like that. So um, I've really cherished that and, and grasped that. And, and we do international nights. And that's something I hope we can get back to doing where we celebrate people dress in their native dress, oh, we have nice. food, you know, we play music, we have all sorts of fun things. So that's something I'm really looking forward to next year, bringing it back, because that really unites the community as well. Okay, Ryan, let's have a little break for one minute with Julie. Hey dorks, this is Julie live from my living room. Um, I really like this interview with this guy. Makes me feel peaceful, doesn't it? Um, so, yep, uh, a really nice resource for you this week. You can go find a lot, and I mean a lot of resources on education at edcan.ca. So that stands for Education Canada edcan.ca and on this happy note my friends i'm telling you i see you later thank you julie hey ryan i have to say something i really really enjoy our conversation yes me too yeah it's wonderful i i, I have the feeling that i'm learning from you and i'm truly grateful for it thank you so much same here. Same here. I'm always like absorbing stuff. And that's where I feel like Clubhouse has been a game changer for me. Oh, really? Eh? Um, I, you know, for 20 years, I was like, you're just a PE teacher. You have no value. You know, when I would go to staff meetings and I would raise my hand to say, hey, we can do things better. Or, you know, hey, we thought about this. They were like, you're just a PE teacher. What do you know? You know, you're just this. You're just that. And I decided I have to advocate for myself. 
I am not just a PE teacher. I'm a teacher, you know, and I'm not going to be limited by my pedagogy or what I teach. In fact, you know, I, I consider it important and I've always been a promotion for, for health and PE, but I have to look at it as I'm a promotion for education or anything else. Teaching is teaching. No matter what it is, I know that I can go in any classroom right now and see what the lesson plan is and say, okay, let's get this done. I don't need to have extensive math knowledge. I don't need to have extensive science knowledge. I know how to read a lesson plan, read what we're going to do, and then say what I don't know, I'm going to come back and, and give you the answers. And that's what an experienced teacher does. And I feel like that is lacking so much. I mean, I would love to have classroom teachers come down and teach what I teach and vice versa. I'd love to go in their classroom and, and teach for a day because I feel like it gives a little perspective on things. Um, especially when I do a lot of integrated stuff. When I go and ask them, hey, what are you working on? They're like the Revolutionary War. Gotcha. My, your kids will come back knowing a little bit more, you know, than maybe what you're talking about. Just they'll give you a heads up because I'm going to talk about it in my classes. What do you mean? You're PE. Don't you play basketball? I'm like, yeah, we do. We, I, I just don't roll out the ball. You know, we're going to be doing so much more fun things. And uh, oh. once they kind of grasp that and, and I invite them down to the gym during their, their breaks and say, come on, interact with us. Have fun. And by the time they're done, they're like, wow, I had a great time. I want to do it again. Oh, so, Fridays is usually like a big, you know, Mr. Friday, but Fridays for <laughs> us is like a, a, a time where teachers kind of, you know, dress down and they can come in and they interact with the kids. And it, it, it's something special about lighting some kid up with a foam ball and having that interaction, them laughing, you're laughing. But at the same time, we're going to learn because I'm going to call a timeout and I'm going to come over and I'm going to give an advantage to someone who can answer a trivia question. So, like, if you got hit, you're going to come over, you're going to answer a trivia question for me about the Revolutionary War. And if you get it right, you're going back in the game. If you're not, you're going to stand wow. there and hope the next time, rock, paper, scissors, you're going to win. And wow. then you come up and answer the question. So wow. it's all about sneaking in that academic in the mass of the games. And they're going to either want to learn and get those questions right because they want to be in the game, or they're not going to want to get out so they don't have to ask the questions. You are triggering emotions. Sure. Sure. And that's it takes a while right. for people to buy into it. But, you know, once they buy into it, that's all they want. Can we do that game again? Can we play that game again? You know, <laughs> That's wonderful. But you know what? I wish you to be a principal. I wish you big time because I have yeah. the feeling that you can change something over. Are you writing a book or something? No. No, I'm not writing a book. But um, Are you? I, I, I don't know about that. I might. Um, I'm, I'm a pro big proponent of professionalism. I did a tie drive about three years ago okay. where I got a necktie for every stu student in my school. And it was a, a process. It was a reaching out through social media. I got ties from Las Vegas, California. Little old ladies gave me ties saying, my husband just died. You can have his ties. And not only did I give them to the kids, but I invited community members, politicians, military, police, um, you know, people from social groups came in like a, a fraternities and came in and they they said look this tie will look good on you tied the tie showed them how to tie the tie and then they talked to them they gave them like a a minute minute or two saying you're gonna this is this is your first tie this is where you wear it you know and uh <clears throat> that to me was a game changer when i gave out over 1800 ties and uh to give them to the kids and 
and still be able to, you know, the kids sat in the crowd in the bleachers with their ties on and um, ha to have people from the community say, this is important, looking good, feeling good, all ties together. So when you go out for your first job, this might be your tie you wear. You know, it was guys or girls. I didn't put any limits on it, but I said, you know, we're going to make a difference. And I kind of stole the idea from someone I knew earlier in um, North Carolina. He did it on a small scale. I said, I'm going to kick it up. I'm going to do it on a big scale. And I still have about 300 ties left that I've been giving to kits, to high schools for kids that graduate. A lot of kids don't have a tie when they graduate. They want to look nice. So they just reach out and I'll put some ties in a box, send it to the school and help out that way. A tie will go a long ways. I'm all about um, teaching boys to be gentlemen. You know, being that person that gives them good skills to learn later on in life. How to treat people, how to dress, how to look. When we have away games for sports, kids dress up. And that not only does it make them feel good, it creates conversation with their teachers because they're like, oh, you got a game today. You know, it might not recognize them any other time in class, but they see them dressed up. You know, and then when we get to the other school coming off that bus, those kids think they're the baddest in the world. They think they're the best, you know, like they're just an error. It's not arrogance. It's just an air of like, we yeah. got this, you know, and because they see it on TV. They see their stuff, you know, LeBron James coming off there to a game all dressed up. So I'm trying to show the importance of looking good. The girl, it's easy for girls to do, you know, for the most part, I've noticed. But for guys, they really struggle with it. And at this point, I'm happy if they wear jeans, collared shirt, I give them a tie, and I show them how to tie the tie. Not only do I give them, but I have to, they have to show me they can tie the tie. Because that's a skill I didn't learn until I was in college. I always expected my dad to do it. Some of these kids don't have dads. Some of these kids don't have a male figure in their life to tie a tie. And so if I can teach them now to tie a tie, then maybe they'll feel more confident when they walk out the door for that job interview for the first time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I've always impressed on them. If you go for a job interview, even for like an ice cream shop, you're going to be better dressed than the owner. You're going to be coming in there knowing that this is my job. This is where I'm going to work. And it sets the tone. So not only do I teach PE, but I feel like I'm teaching so many more life skills that they're going to need. And I'm good with that. Here's the thing. We are in our last stretch. So I'm going to show you my, I have six questions. Five questions to ask. So there's no good or and there's, there's no bad answers. Your answers matters. Is it okay for you? Yeah, man. Let's okay. Go. Well, welcome to the dork side. <laughs> <laughs> Let's begin with my first question. For you, Ryan, education is? Education is everything. It's the, it's the, it's the tools that we give students in order to build their lives. It's, and, and it's constantly growing. You're, it never stops. Education is ongoing. Big time. It, 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 what you just said earlier, it explains everything. Yeah. Your sec my, sec my second question is, um, name me someone who had a great impact on you and tell me why. Um, his name was Jack Potter. He was my sixth grade teacher um, in upstate New York at Maple Street Elementary School. I'll give him a little shout out in Hudson Falls, New York. Um, he dressed to the nines, you know, and that's where he got me going. But he was a member of the community that you knew that you wanted to do things to make him happy because he turned that around and did everything for you. We did Greek Olympics where we actually went to a high school and did the actual Greek Olympics, the events. We dressed in togas. We marched there like in groups. 
he did, you know, um, he let us be ourselves too. Like when we had little, you know, you're sitting in classrooms, when we talked about World War II, he let us take the personalities of the leaders at the time. Wow. And that kind of, you know, he was just a fun teacher, but he was like, man, when I grew up, I want to be Jack, Jack Potter. He was just the man. And um, you saw him like in uh, rec league games or little league games, and, and he would be there. And you were like, man, Mr. Potter just waved at me, you know, and you felt special. And wow. he knew you. He knew your parents. He knew you. And that's what was like growing up in a small community. But at the same time, he made that huge impact on me to be a teacher. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, are you a book reader? Yes. Yes. Is there a book that everyone should read? So, um, people doesn't like this question. I have to say, I've been reading this book right here. It's called the alter ego effect. Um, I don't see it. Sorry, hold on. Let me see if I can unblur my screen. Um, <laughs> that's probably why. Okay. Uh, so it's called the alter ego effect. It's by Todd Herman. We all have, um, he uses the example to start out with as Bo Jackson, the football player from, um, you know, the late early nineties. Yeah. When he went on the field, his alter ego was, uh, Jason from the Friday the 13th. That was his mindset. You know, he became Jason. He became, but as soon as he stepped off the field, he was Bo Jackson. So he goes in this book saying that everyone has this alter ego. Was Superman's alter ego Clark Kent? Yeah. Yes, it was. Clark Kent's super, alter ego wasn't Superman. He was still Kal-El, yeah. you know? So he goes in to say that, you know, sometimes everyone has these alter egos. And for me, it's been a game changer to see how I act like a chameleon sometimes. And so I, I take on these different personas depending on where I am. If I'm at home and I'm, I'm in dad mode, I take on an alter ego. If I'm at school, my, even my kids have said, man, when you're at school, you're a different person. That's my alter ego. When I'm coaching, I'm an alter, I'm a different person. That's my alter ego. I'm like all business. Don't talk to me while I'm coaching. Don't talk to me while I'm teaching. Don't come into school and expect me to be dad or um, my stepkids call me Ryan or whatever the case may be. Don't, when I'm at school, I'm at school. And it's just my alter ego. And, and he says, that's okay. You know, how the personas that you take on are for a lot of different reasons. And he goes into a lot of scientific, you know, a lot of Venn diagrams and stuff like that. I kind of blocked that out, but I really saw, man, he makes sense. That alter ego effect is, is pretty strong. Okay. I have to buy this book. <laughs> We had a book club on clubhouse. That was how I, 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 I learned about it. Um, about five people said, Hey, you want to read this book? And we met for like a month talking about it every week. Most times we were out walking. That's Each of us were out walking and talking. This this app is truly amazing. I'm I speak to my to my colleagues over this app because it was it's very huge in U.S. Mm -hmm. But in Canada, it's starting, and we always late from the U.S. over this. So I'm talking to my colleagues, and it's, and I said, you should, guys, you should go over at Clubhouse. You learn from everyone. It's crazy. It's like if you're being in a conference for free. Oh yeah. So you learn from each other. You know, I always say that I was on stage with a bunch of doctors, a doctor in front of their name, doctor this, doctor that, doctor this. And they wanted me on stage because they wanted to hear what I had to say. Never in a million years would I be able to go to a conference and go up and sit on stage with these people going, yep, and this is how I feel. And they're like, wow, that's pretty interesting. You know, so and then you make those connections later on where in social media, you're making, you know, all these connections and coming here. Um, I've done a couple other things. This is what I want to do. I mean, I found my voice and I'm so grateful for it. Yeah.
Clubhouse is a game changer. Yeah, without a doubt. And people yeah. just have to have patience more than anything else. It's scary at first going into. Oh room. yeah, big time. My first time <laughs> was. I was like, I, I almost peed on my pants. It was crazy. When he said, okay, Mr. Friday, it's your turn. I, 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 I was like, <laughs> it was crazy. You know John Carlo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, so yeah. the first time he put me on stage, I froze for about like 10 or 15 seconds. I was like, what, 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 should I, what, what should I say? I was so, oh my God, I was so nervous. He, he's, uh, he's so funny. And, and I sometimes I'll go into his room and, and, uh, and talk like him just to, Go, hey, and here's Ryan. He's from hey, and he's and he's like, do I really talk like that? I'm like, yeah, you do, but that's your thing. That's your stick. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, that's the style. I really enjoy his style. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And he's so nice to people and patient. And oh yeah. You need that patience on Clubhouse because you got, especially now that it's opened up to Android users, you're gonna have people from all over the world that don't have those that communication problem. So yep. you need to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And he's a truly workaholic. My God, he's there oh every God. single day. Yep. Yeah, when, the day we took over, we had to take over his room because he had a medical procedure. It took five of us to like make sure that we did everything that he asked. And he was so happy with it. Oh, great. Great. So, and like I was taking notes in the background because I was I couldn't talk. I was in class, but I was still taking notes, listening to it. And other people were doing everything that he does. And he actually got back with us later that day saying, you guys did a great job. And I'm like, we don't know how you do it all by yourself. Yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing. He, he's he's watching all the bios and he goes over it and telling like he knows you for like five years. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He he's came really to my room last night late and he couldn't speak. But the next day today, when I went into his nine o'clock room, he's like, man, I wanted to tell you my music. And he played some of it that he liked as his walk up music. And <laughs> I had no idea what it was. It was some sort of like Latin mix and he told me and so i looked it up and i'm like oh those are great that's a great band and he said see see because i told him that drake was his walk-up music god's plan by drake <laughs> yeah i know it was there i listened to yeah, it yeah and he was like oh just because i'm from toronto i'm like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it just because he's from toronto i love it Pretty much. hey i have my fourth question is what for you ryan what is your greatest success my greatest success is is uh my family I mean, education-wise is education-wise. Uh, the fact that I'm still here after 22 years and wanting more, that's a big success. But um, my family, uh, having two kids of my own and and helping raise four other ones um, and being a part of their lives, I got to see it on Father's Day. You know, the, the cards that came in to me and my stepdaughters took me out to dinner. To me, them saying, you know, at the time we didn't appreciate you, but we see now what you were doing and we we think it's the best and we wouldn't be here without you that to me is what it's all about that's my greatest success and i want to keep building on it you know so no matter what i think my family is in the growth of my family and how we've stuck together through a lot of hard times that's my greatest success same here same here i, I had cancer 11 years ago and to see my kids growing it's a blessing yeah that's crazy uh, my one last question before we go: um, What is what is your hard work uh, learning moment? Sorry, my learning moment. Hard learning moment. Yeah. Um, I think it happened May of 2020 when um, I went into an interview for administration. 
um, it was they have this paneling or pool process. So you, in order to get interviewed for schools for assistant principal and principal, you have to go through like a gatekeeper almost where they sit and ask you questions. And that's where, you know, I kind of like, I was devastated after they said, well, we know you have your certification. We know you have your license. You did all the proper things. You had some experience, but you're not good enough. And so that was hard for me. And so what I've taken that as saying, okay, and I've been an advocate, I've been talking to people, I've been reaching out LinkedIn, you know, talking to other people that are in those positions in my school district now saying, what can I do? How can I improve my instructional knowledge? How can I, you know, and, and I'm not pleasing them. I'm not pleasing the administrators, no, 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 no. but I'm finding out ways to get noticed. And, and I told some people before that I want my name in people's mouths and it's always a derogatory term, but for me, it isn't because I want people to say, Oh, I, Ryan Pelkey would be perfect for that job. Ryan Pelkey could handle that job, you know, because I remember talking with him, I'm making those connections with him and he brings so much to the table. So my name is in their mouths. It's on their mind. I brought in a lady from our school district, uh, one of the assistant superintendents in the clubhouse for a meeting about COVID, post-COVID uh, positives, because she's like the COVID czar for the school district. And um, she was very apprehensive. She said, well, PE teachers don't have the best instructional ideas or they don't have the best, you know, we kind of stereotype you guys. Oh. And I just let her say it. And I said, well, you're still welcome to come to the room. I had a great room. There was like 25 people in there, but we had an awesome conversation. At the end of the time, she texts me out of the blue about an hour later and said, I'm so sorry. I made a huge mistake. You have value. You are bringing something to the table that a lot of people don't. And I'm really grateful that you had me on. So that's how I changed the game. That's how I changed my game. That's how I'm constantly evolving. And that's thanks to Clubhouse. That's thanks to Hustle. That's going out and finding people, going out and, and putting my name in people's mouths and saying, well, let's see what he has to say. You know, a resume can be so much. What I love about Clubhouse is you see my passion. You hear it. You, you know, you, you can't see it on type on a, on a resume, but if I can talk to you about it and I can share with you and I can lift you up and I can show you ideas, then I'm that much closer for you to understand who I am. So. I, I must say thank you for letting me, uh, for this opportunity to speak to you. I'm, I have a feeling that I, that I grown just <laughs> by listening to you and, there's an idea popping out, out of my head on, on September when we're going to start the school. Yeah. I shall speak to my PE teacher yeah. and ask to create um, some new kinds of learning that will involve English more. And, and, and the thing is, what I have now in my head, I want to be part of this too. Yeah. So I will speak to her. Thank you so much, Ryan, for helping me uh, enlighten me up, maybe. Hey, whatever it needs, whatever yeah. it needs. All right. You know, so, I'm, I'm here to help. I, let's Truly, let's keep in touch, Definitely. for real. Not only on Clubhouse, each time you want to uh, to, to chat, you, I'll, I'll give you my, my all my, my, my info. And uh, I, I want to learn more about you. you. You really amazed me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I hope that you have a good rest of your week. So my dork friends, this is the end of this seventh episode. 
Next week, I have a privilege to speak with Dr. Kathleen Baker, who specialized in eating disorders, women issues, self esteem, body image, depression, anxiety, etc. And you probably saw her over TikTok. A special thanks to my brother Bob, who makes this wonderful melody. And a special thanks to my two collaborators, Yannick and Julie. And right before the end, I would like to say, hey guys, thank love. So, my dork friends, see you next week. Ciao!